the bad news or good news, I guess, depending on what way you look on it. Uh, next thing, grab a Bible if you need a Bible. Let's get into the, I shouldn't put that there, otherwise Barbara's going to. Grab a Bible if you need a Bible, now's the time. If you don't have a Bible, take that Bible home with you that you just grabbed. Uh, and next thing is, I'm going to call out our dear friend Andrew a little bit. Let's just give Andrew a round of applause for those announcements. At the last minute, that guy jumped in. And when you stand up here and you got the whole church just staring at you, you're like, holy cow, what do I even do? You're like, you know, your hands kind of shake. And so as I was looking around, as Andrew was speaking, it was like, oh, that exact same thing. We're all just staring at him like a bunch of deer in headlights as he <laughs> just tries to struggle through saying that stuff. So that's what I want to say to you guys today. Uh, being up here, it's a little, uh, you're like, whoa, all these people just looking at you. Don't be afraid. To, if you agree with something I say, yell out an amen. We're all church here. We're all community. Unless you start getting too crazy, I won't tell you to settle down too much. But uh, as you look out and you see the headlights, it's sometimes like, uh, are these, do they have like those glasses on with the fake eyeballs on? Are people hearing me, you know? So today we're going to be all over the Bible. I'm actually going to do a little bit of a topical. I'm going away from the Calvary Chapel normal here. And we're going to do a bit of a topic topic thing here today. Some of you guys know, a lot of you guys know, actually, I've been doing some online um, courses, some online classes via the Calvary Chapel Bible College down in Marietta. I've been doing uh, some online classes, and I've been doing four classes uh, throughout it in the book of Genesis, the book of First and Second Kings, uh, worship leadership, and uh, Bible study methods is what I've been doing. And let me tell you, it's quite the course load. I don't know what I was thinking when I signed up, but I think I must have misread the like time commitments or something because I thought, oh, like four courses, two hours, like that's only eight hours. I can do, you know, that's like two, three evenings a night. That's no big deal. But it's actually what it is is one and a half to two hours per course plus another about two hours a week of homework. So then all of a sudden I'm into 16 hours a week of Classes and ho long story short, I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not quite up to. S I'm not sticking. They have a suggested schedule, right, that you follow, and let's just say I'm not quite up to schedule. So you can pray for me in that this week. I actually took this week off of school so that I could prepare for today. So I'm hopefully not too far behind. So on Sunday, normally I've been going through the Book of Ephesians, as you guys might remember, but but this week. Um, I've just been learning so much in the school that there's just so much I want to share. And I thought, oh, sweet, this is a good chance for me to get up there and be able to speak without anyone interrupting me for like 40 minutes. Like, you don't get this very often, right? Normally it's, at least, you guys might not be listening, but at least you aren't like interrupting when I'm trying to be like, oh, let me talk about my day. But everyone wants to talk about their own day, right? What's the... So some of the stuff I've been learning in class um, is some stuff you like, you don't, you, you know, you meditate on the Bible, you read the Bible, but you don't see some of this stuff. And, and the last little bit, I'm just going to share with you guys a little bit what I've been learning. You know, um, I've been learning about, oh, for instance, this one time in the Bible, um, there's a prophet of God and he asks the man to strike him. He says, hit me. 
Thus says the Lord, hit me. But the guy refused. So the prophet said back to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, as soon as you depart from me, a lion will kill you. And the man was ravaged by a lion. Oh, I've learned about the time that Elisha went up, went up from the Jordan, and, and a group of young boys came to him, and they said, Go up, you bald head, you baldy. And so Elisha turned around and cursed the young men, and two bears came out, maimed those 42 guys, 42 of them, they got maimed. Or I've learned about the time when Solomon was dedicating the temple and there was 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep and they're being sacrificed and, and fire rains down from heavens and consumes the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord is just filled the temple and priests couldn't stand and they're just worshiping and praising God and it's just needless to say, I've learned a lot of pretty tame stuff, Right? A lot of crazy things you don't hear in everyday life. Th- things you maybe don't hear on Sunday mornings necessarily if, if you're just, just sitting there and, and not totally listening. And, but this week I wanted to talk about one of the things that's got me kind of excited and, and uh, things I've been learning about, and that's the name of God. And you might think to yourself, the name of God, that's not very exciting. You just told me about the time a guy refused to hit a prophet and then got killed by a lion because he didn't listen to the word of the Lord. But trust me, the name of God is exciting. Did you know that my name isn't actually Blake? Just as a side note. I gotta, I gotta tell you the truth here. I gotta come clean. I've been de- deceiving you this whole time. I am not who I say I am. My name, my first name is actually Samuel. Samuel Blake Simpson is my full name. I was named after my dad, Sam. And... Uh, let me tell you something to those parents, any new parents out there or anyone thinking of becoming parents that want to do the, oh, I'm going to call my child by the second. Don't do that. Don't, don't call your kid by the middle name. It's not, I don't recommend it. It's not good. It can get confusing. It's not the worst thing in the world. I won't, you know, oh, poor me. But it, it can get confusing, right? For the most part, I go by Blake. People know me as Blake. I'm, Blake is who I am. I write my name as Blake and all the normal things that you would do with your name. But when you get to official legal documents, stuff like that. You've you got to put your legal name, and my legal first name is Samuel. So, so I go as Samuel. And for the past, oh, 10 years of my life, I've been in and out of school, right? I've been, I went to UVic and Capilano right out of high school, and then more recently I've been in and out of, of plumbing school once a year for six weeks. And, and so when you apply to schools, uh, there's a little spot that you can put your preferred name. And so I always put my preferred name as Blake. And uh, guess what happens on the first day of school when you show up? They do roll call. They go, Samuel Simpson, are you here? (laughs) And I just learned to accept my fate, right? Like, but, and so I go by Sam. But it can get confusing. You know, every other day of my life, I go by Blake. But when I'm in school for that six weeks, I go by Sam. And it can get a bit confusing, right? I'd be, I'd sit there in class and I'd hear Sam Sam, Sam, and then I'd, I'm, oh, yeah, sorry, that's me, what's up, yes, <laughs> and, then, and then after a while, you get used to it, though, after a while, it'd take me about a week, and I'd get in the rhythm, and then I'd go by Sam, and I'd respond to Sam all the time, no problem, and then one year, I think it was a couple years ago, I sat by the same guys um, all the time, and you get to know the guys around you that you see, it's a small class of 15 at, at these trade schools, and you get to know all the guys, and more specifically, the guys around you, you hang out at lunch and whatever, and and then near the end of the school year, at the end of the six weeks, they go, hey, we want to, we tried to add you on Facebook. 
and you're not there. What's the deal? Like, everyone has Facebook. This was like, whatever, four years. Well, I guess not everyone had Facebook four years ago. But it was like kind of at the height of Facebook for, before everyone's like, ah, no Facebook. And they're like, you don't have Facebook. What's your problem, man? You don't have Facebook. And then, so I had to come clean because I didn't want to look like the loser that didn't have Facebook. And I said, <laughs> well, actually, I do have Facebook. My name is actually Blake. I got to come clean. Just like I came clean to you guys, I had to come clean and say, actually, I go by Blake. And I had to go through the whole explanation. I just went with you guys. Oh, oh my parents named me Samuel Blake. Sounds better than Blake Samuel. You know that whole thing. So then what happened was you'd ha- I had the two or three guys sitting around me go, oh, okay, your name's Blake. We're going to start calling you Blake. But then the other 13 in the class would call me Sam. So then I had to go by, I had like two identities of Sam and Blake. And I'd be jumping between back and forth trying to answer, and it just got, just don't try that at home. Long story short, don't do that. It's, not, it's very confusing. I'd begin to, you know, I wouldn't respond, and I'd get confused, and it was, it was very confusing. And so did you know that our God has a name? And it might surprise you this morning that it isn't God. You know, when we call on God, we can't just call him whatever he wants. But you might say, well, he's, he's God. What else do I need to say to call him? And I would say, you know what, you're right. You call on the name of God and he'll respond to you. You, you, say, you say, God, come save me and he'll come save you. But as we get to know him better and better and we get to maybe add him on Facebook or whatever, we learn more about him. You know, his name is revealed to us. And within the name of, of God is specific characteristics that we learn about. In, in Hebrew culture, names are crazy important. Like I didn't realize until I went to Israel last year. And uh, it just opened my eyes to how important they value names. And, and names are so important. And, and listening to Avi, our tour guide, was cool because he would just have such passion in his voice when he talked about the names of things. And, and every, every place we went had an important name and, and all the people had an important name. And, and so, for example, you could ask him, hey, what's my name mean? And, and so my name, Samuel, or, or Shmuel, or Shemuel in, in Hebrew, means, means God remembers. Or when he talked about uh, Pastor Joel from Calvary Chapel Mountain Springs in Calgary, he, his, he, he was like, Avi, our tour guide, was just shocked. He's like, why would you guys call him Joel? He's Yoel, which literally means God, God. Like, you guys are crazy for calling him Joel. And so as we learn about God and, and who he is, his name actually reveals to us qualities and character. So this morning we're going to look at some of the names of God in the Old Testament specifically. Because this whole topic could be like a probably two-year sermon. So I'm going to try and keep it not too crazy. So make sure you have a Bible because we're going to be flipping back and forth. It's not, not all the verses are going to be up on the screen. It's not going to be a typical um, Sunday where we're just in one chapter. Um, yeah, and you just need to make sure you have a Bible. It's good practice for us too. It's good for us to, also I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm a liar. You guys need to make sure you're keeping me accountable by what I say is actually in the Bible. So this morning we're going to look at the four main names of God in the, in the Bible. Kind of in, in ascending order from the names that we've given him, kind of, all the way up to the name that God gave himself. 
And so if you're a note taker, there'll be names up on the screen as we go along. So the first word we're going to look at is the name, is the, so this is where it gets confusing. Bear with me if things get very confusing. I think I've got it figured out. The first name of God is El. And so the Hebrew word El, E-L, translated into English, nice, oh yeah, I put the lion, I used the lion to remind us what happens when we don't listen to the word of God too. <laughs> just as a side note, when we, don't, when we hear God and we don't respond, just think of the lion. So the Hebrew word El, translated into English, literally means God. It means God or judge or creator. And so as we get into the names of God here, right off the bat, I'm going to start with a name, El, that isn't necessarily describing our God. You see, in our Christian circle, in our little holy huddle, our little you know, Bible, the Bible bunch here, we all know what we're talking about when we say God, big G. And, and, but I had a tough time trying to figure out how to explain the Hebrew into the English. But basically in Hebrew, you have three terms. You have El, Eloah, and Elohim. And so Eloah is the singular God. Elohim is plural God. Nice, my PowerPoint guy is on it. And El, El is, like, El is sort of like a, a prefix or a suffix. Like you, you kind of add El onto other things. But that also stands for God. There's pretty much always another word before or after El. And so in the Bible, the name Elohim is a very general term. And, and really anything can be used and described as an Elohim. And so from now on, I'm going to try and use the word Elohim just to keep us all in one. But when I say Elohim, I kind of mean all El, Elohim, Eloah. It's kind of intermingled, but not really, and we'll find out. Elohim is used over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. And the first time that we see the word Elohim used in the Bible, we get actually an awesome picture of the Trinity. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. An easy one, the first book of the Bible. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The fourth word in our Bible starts by showing us the Trinity in creation. You see, because Elohim is plural, gods. They could have used the word Eloah, meaning just one God, but plural, gods. And this is a common theme that we see in the Bible when God refers to creation or dealings other than with the nation of Israel. Like the word Elohim is being used. And it's a very general term. And other than, other than the Trinity, it actually doesn't really give us any attributes of God. It's more of a descriptor of a spiritual being. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 24. And so you guys probably remember uh, what we're going to look at here is, is that time when Elijah, Elijah, not Elisha, Elisha is the one that said, I ain't no baldy. You guys are done for. Elijah was before Elisha. 
Elijah went up onto Mount Carmel and he challenged the prophets of Baal. And he said, hey, I'm going to make an altar. You guys make an altar. And, uh, and uh, we'll see whoever answers. Whoever answers by fire is the true God. So let's read 1 Kings 18.24. And it says, And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So you see there in the first, first bit, you see there, even Elijah calls the name of Baal, Elohim. You call upon the name of your Elohim, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the Elohim who answers by fire, he is Elohim. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So it's just a describing, the, the, the Hebrew word Elohim is just a describing word for like spiritual beings, God. It doesn't necessarily denote our God that we're talking about. But we do see in the Bible times when names are added onto the word El to describe the God of Israel that gives us an idea of his attributes. So let's look at uh, a couple here. Again, same thing. There's so many names that I, if you, a good word study, go home and look up the word Elohim and El. And I'm not going to touch on all of them here. I can only get a couple. But the first one we're going to look at is El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. So let's go back to Genesis, Genesis 17, Genesis 17, verse 1, Genesis 17 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. So he said, I am El Shaddai. Now let's look at another one, El Elyon, which is in Psalm, 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 Psalm chapter 57, verse 2. And El Elyon means the most high God. And so the psalmist says in 57, verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me, El Elyon to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And so we also have, other than that, I mean, there's so many more that we could look at, but other than, other than adding words onto El to describe God, we have names of people in the Bible that have to do with El, like Samuel, God has heard, Daniel, God is my judge, Ezekiel, God will strengthen, or, or the archangel Michael, meaning who is like my God. So we see the mystery of God being revealed to us when attributes get added to the word El. But the word El or Elohim doesn't actually, it's not unique to the God of Israel in the Bible. It's just a general God. Anytime you see the word God, big G or little g in your Bible, it's a version of the Hebrew word El, Elohim, plural, or Eloah, singular. So you might be sitting there and saying, well, what the, I've been, I've been saying God this whole time, and you're telling me that if I call on God, he's not going to hear me? I say, no, don't, that's not what I mean at all. If you call on God, he'll hear you, no doubt about it. But, we're, but, but we as children of God miss out on a personalness that we get by being children of God. We miss out on a uniqueness to his character by just saying God. And so here's a good, um, just, I don't even know if it's application, just a side note. Whenever you're talking to non-Christians, 
uh, and you want to give them the gospel, here's a trick. Don't use, don't use God. Use the name Jesus rather than God. Because when we say God, in the back of people's minds that aren't Christian, right, they think of Buddha, they think, uh, you know, like talking the Greek god Zeus. Like, God is a very general term. But when you say the word Jesus, man, that's a whole different ballgame, right? People know exactly who you're talking about. So let's look at uh, our second name here. The second name in our list of our four, it starts to get a bit more personal. And actually, the next three names that we look at are going to get personal and reveal the attributes and characteristics of our God of Israel. Did you know that our God's name is Kana, which means jealous? Our God's name is jealous. Turn with me, Exodus chapter 34. Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. Actually, let's start in verse 12. Exodus 34, verse 12. says, Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go. Lest it become a snare in your midst, you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim. Verse 14, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. So this, in Exodus 34 here, this is Moses' second time up Mount Sinai, and he's going to receive the new tablets of the Ten Commandments, because the first time he came down and bam, smashed them on the ground, because he was all ticked off, because the Israelites were worshiping false idols and stuff. And, And so Moses goes back up Mount Sinai, God calls him back up, and and he's going to give him another set of, of the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. And God gives him a pep talk. He's like, come on, Moses. I really want you to succeed here. I love you guys. Like, let's get together. And it says in verse 14, You shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. So our god's name is Jealous. I didn't know that. And he's jealous for us. But he's not jealous in the unrighteous jealousy that I have in my heart. And probably, well, yeah, for sure you have some jealousy in your heart. Let's be honest here. The jealousy that your God has for you is more than, like, more than I can even comprehend. God crafted you in the womb. He protected you as, he, as you grew up. He's redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we disobey and sin and turn away from him, it saddens him. When we make false idols before him, when we put other things before God, it actually angers him. And you see, God's like desperately jealous for you. When, he, when you look away, he longs to bless you. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a righteous jealousy for you when you, when you put other things before him. See, if my God wasn't abounding in steadfast love for me, and full of grace, I'd be shaking in my boots right here because I'm a sinner. Let's make that clear. And, and when God sees me put other things before him, which I so often do, it ignites his righteous jealousy and it angers him. But on the flip side, contrary to that, when you follow him, when you follow God, you trust in him, you ask his son into your heart and you accept Christ, when you, when you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
the jealousy of God is actually a comfort. Because God longs for you so much that when he has you, he ain't letting nothing get between you and him. Anything that threatens his faithful servants will be opposed with divine power. Amen? Oh, there we go. So we've learned about two names of God. We've learned about Elohim and Kana. But the third name uh, that we're going to get into here is when it really gets personal. But first, let's review because that was a little confusing. And there's a lot of uh, just like, whoa, a lot of words just came out of my mouth there. And so this is a very easy way. Elohim is a general term for gods. It's plural. Anytime we see God or gods in the Bible, it's a version of El. It could be El, Elohim, or Eloah. So that's good. We get an idea of the Trinity with Elohim. We get names added to El. El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. El Elyon, meaning the God Most High. So we're starting to have some of the attributes of God revealed to us, which is good. And then we, learn, we learned of the name Kana, which is Hebrew for jealous. And, and God's name is jealous. He's jealous for you. He longs to have a relationship with you. He isn't satisfied if he doesn't. When you're a j- child of God, his jealousy is a comfort because you get a peace knowing that no one's able to snatch you out of his hand. And then number three, the name we're going to come to here is where it gets personal. God reveals his name to us that only his sons and daughters get to call him by. You see, anyone can use the term Elohim, like a lot of people use the word Elohim, not referring to our God of Israel. Anyone can say, oh, well, my Elohim is jealous. Yeah, his name's jealous, right? Like, what are you talking about? But only sons and daughters can use the next name of God revealed to us. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. What's in Exodus here? Exodus 3, verse... Oh, let's go verse 13. Exodus chapter 3. And so as we're turning there, you guys all know the story in Exodus 3. It's a very common, if you've probably never been to church before, you know this story, of Moses and the burning bush. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush, but the bush isn't being consumed. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And God tells Moses that, hey, Moses, I'm going to send you to Egypt, and you're going to bring my people, my Israelites, out of there and into the promised land. And so that brings us to verse 13. And let's read Exodus 3, 13 together. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So foreshadow alert, before we get to the name I am, because I know you all want to stop on I am, I don't want us to miss this. In verse 15, let's look at verse 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, the Lord. So do you see in your Bible where the Lord, L-O-R-D, is all capitals, and it has a footnote? So if you go down to that footnote at the bottom, it says, the word Lord 
when spelled with capital letters, stands for the divine name YHWH. So God gave Moses the name I Am, and we'll get to what that means in a second, but God also gave Moses the name YHWH. And YHWH is a big word for you, is the, uh, ooh, here we go, is known as the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton, I didn't say it was going to be easy. The Tetragrammaton is the four-letter word for the God of Israel. And that's what we in our English scholars call YHWH. We call it the Tetragrammaton. And so God gave Moses these four letters to say to the people of Israel because when Moses goes to the Israelites and, and, and they say, who sent you? And he says, I am. And they go, yeah, we know who you are, but who sent you? And they go, uh, he goes, I am, I am, right? And they're like, it's the Three Stooges thing where he's like, who's on first? And he's like, I am. They're like, yeah, we know you are, but who sent you? So, so God gives a name to refer to the name I am, and that's the Tetragrammaton. And so God reveals the four letters that we can use to refer to him. Four letters that we as his sons and daughters, that you as his sons and daughters, get to use exclusively to call on him. Four letters that when said... Just like saying the name Jesus, when you say the four letters, there's no mistake for who you're talking about. So how do I say it, you might be saying. And, well, I don't know. <laughs> At least we don't know for sure. Because as I was looking it up, they've actually, rig- religiously observant Jews, actually, they would replace the Tetragrammaton with the word Adonai, meaning my Lord, or Hashem, meaning the name. Because they, they saw such power in those four letters that they, were, they didn't want to say it. They were worried about breaking, like breaking the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so in Hebrew, they don't use vowels either. So when they stopped saying it, it, it was tough for us nowadays to figure out what it, how it was pronounced back then. But commonly nowadays, we refer, we refer to the name as Yahweh, or in English, Jehovah. And you know what's so good about the name Jehovah? Is when we call on Elohim, when we call on God, we're calling on the everlasting, the most high, the God almighty. But when we call on Jehovah, there's a personalness to it, right? We're calling on the Lord by his personal name. You know what, does that make sense? Like, Like when people who don't know me refer to me, they might say, oh, hey, there's that guy with the hair, or there's that guy with that black truck, and hopefully they don't say, hey, there's that guy that smells kind of bad, right? Or I was talking to Jessica about this, and she's like, ha-ha, yeah, they'd probably say, hey, there's that balding guy, which was like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> but, when, but when someone says, oh, hey, there's Blake, there's like a sense of personal friendship, you know, and, and I'll probably respond better to my name than to, hey, stink, hey, baldy. I'll say, curse you, and I probably don't have the same, same effect as Elisha had, but, but the, those are attributes of me, but when I'm called on by my name, I'll respond. You know when there's like two people or, or there's a crowd, a group, and they're like talking to each other and you can't really hear them, you're doing your own thing, and then you hear your name and you go, what, does someone... Did you just say my name? You look around, you're like, what, who just, did you just say my name? I heard my name somewhere. Who's talking about me? 
And you kind of like look around, and you, maybe there's like a couple groups, and you're like trying to figure out who's, all of a sudden your ear is now very attentive to what they're saying, right? You're, and you have, you have some kind of weird subconscious for hearing your name, even when you're trying not to listen. And then you start to wonder, well, I wonder what they're saying about me over there. I wonder what's going on over there. I hope it's only good things that they're saying about me. You see, Jehovah is the personal name that God gives us to call on him. There's no mistake for any other God. So let's look at some places that we see Yahweh or Jehovah in the Bible. Anywhere in your Bible that you see the word Lord in all capitals, that signifies the tetragrammaton. Got it. Jehovah. So let's look at a couple, uh, a few. Again, there's so many names that we could look at here. We're just going to look at uh, three or four here of Jehovah. So let's first go to Genesis chapter 22. And the first name we're going to look at to do with Jehovah is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Genesis chapter 22. And as we're going there, uh, Genesis 22, again, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this story. When God called Abraham to go up with his son Isaac on one of the mountains of Moriah, and, and he told him to bind up Isaac and sacrifice him to God, put him on the altar and sacrifice him. So Abraham goes up with his son. Uh, he binds him up. He's about to slit the throat of his own son when God calls out and says this in verse 12 of uh, Genesis 22, verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So Abraham calls that place Jehovah Jireh, because on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Abraham didn't name the place, well, Jehovah did, you know, Jehovah did provide in the past, or, well, Jehovah will hopefully provide, or, or maybe Jehovah, well, maybe Jehovah will provide, but I can't really tell, so maybe I should keep praying about it a little bit more and just wait a little bit longer and think about it. No, he called it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Our good old boy Spurgeon put it a great way, but I don't think I can put it much better. He said, quote, God provided a ram instead of Isaac. This was sufficient for the occasion. But that which was typified by the ram is infinitely more glorious. In order to save us, God provided God. I cannot put it more simply. He did not provide an angel nor a mere man, but God himself, end quote. And so by faith, Abraham knew that there was a sacrifice to come once and for all for your sins and mine. In the same way God provided the ram for Abraham, in the coming days, God provided his son for us. And on the cross, Jesus was crucified, his blood shed so that we could have life. So let's look at another one. Jehovah Sabaoth. This one was a struggle for me to figure out too how to say Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. So turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. 1 Samuel, 
17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And again, we're just looking at some famous Bible stories here. You guys know this story. A good one. David versus Goliath. A classic. And so as David... I'll set up the scene for you as David is standing before Goliath and he's about to do battle with him. He yells this out in the ultimate dream for every man. Read this here. If you're a guy, you should be reading this every day. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, who you, whom you have defied, verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I mean, how good is that, right? As a guy, that's like what we dream about, like game seven, overtime, Stanley Cup final, right? Like breakaway, top shelf. Like this is just the classic underdog story, David versus Goliath. And he yells out in verse 45, you come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. In 2 Kings chapter 6, this is another one of my favorite stories. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we don't have to turn there, I'll just tell you about it. There's an army. The army of Syria comes to kill the prophet Elisha because they're ticked because they can't defeat Israel because Elisha keeps help, he's like helping them out, like calling on the Lord and the Lord's helping. And they're ticked at Elisha. So they think if we kill Elisha, we're going to be able to defeat Israel. So they come and they want to kill Israel, the, the Syrian army. And Elisha's servant wakes up early one morning and looks out and there's the army of Syria all around them. And the servant starts freaking out and he wakes up Elisha and goes, ah, what do we do? And so Elisha looks out, probably imagine him pulling open the tent. He's like, oh, what's going on out there? And he looks at the servant and he calmly prays and he says, Lord, open his eyes. And the servant's eyes get opened and around him on the mountainside, is covered in horses and chariots of fire. You see, Jehovah is the Lord over every army, whether earthly or spiritual. He's the king of heaven and earth. And you know, how often do I sit here after hearing those stories and go, hmm, well, I don't know. I don't know if Jehovah will provide for me. I don't, I don't even know if Jehovah has the power to provide for me, right? Ah, he's a busy guy. There's like, Eight billion emails he's probably got to look at. Oh, oh, look at the internet. I think I'll go over here on the, oh, oh, it's, you know, you wake up early and you press snooze. Yeah, it's too early to read the Bible. I, it's too cold to go to church today. Oh, look at the wind. Oh, yeah, no, can't do that. And then I go, oh, come on. Why isn't Jehovah fighting for me? What's the deal? Come on. But we forget that the battle's already won by the death and resurrection of his son on the cross the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. So let's look at one more Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, verse 15. And I'll set up the scene here for you too. 
as the Israelites are they're going down to, to battle versus the Amalekites, Moses goes up on the, on the hillside, and, he, and you know the story. When his hands are raised, the Israelites are winning. When his hands come down, they, they begin to lose. The Amalekites begin to win. And so, spoiler alert, his buddies help him out, and he keeps his hands raised, and the Israelites win. And so, and so after they'd won the battle, verse 15 of Genesis, oh, sorry, Exodus, chapter 17. Exodus 17, verse 15. Am I right here? Yeah, I am. It says, And Moses built an altar and called on the name of it, and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. So you see, the word Nis uh, can actually be interpreted as a, as a pole with an insignia on it. And so what they would often do at those days is the armies, um, there'd be a, a guy standing in front with a pole and on the top would be like a banner and a flag. And they would lead the charge into battle as the men go down to battle. And on that banner would be the army's insignia or, or the representation of who they fight for or something for the men to look towards for their inspiration as they're probably shaking in their boots. They're going down to battle with swords and and, and the banner is just their representation of who they're fighting for, who they're, they're leading them into the battle the, with, this, with this pole and the banner on it. It's their inspiration. It's their representation. And Moses says, God is my Jehovah Nisi. And so that's why I ask you this morning, is God your Jehovah Nisi this morning? Who do you have on your flag leading you into battle? I would even ask, do people know that you fight for God? When you leave here, do, you, do people know outside these walls that you fight for God? Do you walk out the church and you go, hey, hey, banner, banner carrier, yeah, drop that, just fold that banner up for the next week and we'll, we'll bring it back out on Sunday. You know, I, I personally don't, I'll admit, I don't always carry the banner of Jehovah in front of me could be anything that I kind of try and haphazardly tape over the banner. I'll pull the flag down and I'll grab some duct tape maybe and I'll try and cover up my flag with different, different symbols. It could be money, could be relationships, could be work. Heck, it could even be this Sunday morning gathering. You could use this as your, oh yeah, Sunday morning, I'm good after this. This is my banner. I want to challenge you to make sure that if you don't raise the banner of God every morning, if he isn't on your pole leading you into battle, do that every morning when you wake up. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And look at the name, I am. I am. And we're going to get even more personal. Some people would call the name I am, uh, number 3B, under Jehovah. But I'm, I'm going to give a number 4 because it deserves its own number. So let's read uh, verse 14 again. Exodus 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So what does that even mean, the name I am? Right? The name I am, it, it kind of has a sense of eternalness. It it's, I am is neither past, nor, nor present, nor future. I am doesn't need anything. It doesn't need anyone. 
he is and always will be. You know, no one can really truly say the words I am other than Yahweh himself, Jehovah himself. The name I am is unique because it's a verb. It's an action word. By naming himself I am, he is the becoming one. Jehovah says, I am whatever you need me to be. What do you need? Jehovah will provide. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man? Yeah? Good, good, me too. Do you believe that the Bible was divinely inspired to lead us to one person, Jesus? Me too. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. <laughs> you see, those guys knew what Jesus was saying there in that moment. He was talking to leaders, Jewish leaders and Pharisees and the kind of guys that could recite you the Old Testament, like standing on their head upside down and backwards while they were like juggling with their feet. They knew the Old Testament. They knew what Jesus was saying there. Jesus was calling himself God. Jesus was calling himself Jehovah and they were ticked. You know, the other day, um, I don't know if some of you, well, I'll just say. The other day, Jessica, Jessica uh, actually used to have a hedgehog. And I'm sad to say Jessica's hedgehog died the other day. Yeah, it was sad. But I'll be the first to admit that if you, if you knew me, uh, <laughs> you knew I didn't really like the hedgehog. <laughs> and that's, that sounds mean. I was sad for Jessica that the hedgehog died, but I wasn't mourning over the hedgehog. You see, that thing was super cute in pictures. Peter was his name. <laughs> he, was, he was like perfect for Instagram, right? Like minimum 30 likes every picture. Like Jessica killed it with the Instagram pictures on that thing. But, but when you saw him in, in person, he just had a face a little too much like a mouse for me. And as a plumber, I'm often in nasty old crawl spaces and I hate mice and his back was covered in spikes, so he'd poke you, and, well, he'd poke me. I guess he didn't like me either. And he just, he just, like, pooped wherever he wanted, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm more like dogs. Like, you can train them. They'll poop outside. It's not. But for the past week, actually, poor little Peter the Hedgehog died one week ago today. And so for the week before that, Jessica knew um, that Peter wasn't doing so great, actually. For about five or six days leading up to when he died, she knew he wasn't doing so great. He was actually losing weight. He was kind of stumbling around his cage. He just wasn't, he didn't have the same energy he had. You could tell he just wasn't doing good, right? And then one afternoon, actually, um, well, like I said, a week ago today, uh, <laughs> it's very sad, actually. She's uh, she was holding him in his hands. She was holding Peter, and you could tell he, he just wasn't himself. And then actually, he started breathing a little odd, and between breaths, they kind of got shallower and shallower and, and farther and farther in between, and actually, he, he died in her hands as she was holding him. And yeah, it was sad. It was like, it was like, oh, that's, that's sad. But, but what was more sad for me was actually the, the similarities between the way Peter died and the way my dad died. You see, I've never really talked about this a ton, but, but the night my dad died, I was, me and my mom were there with him. And 
we, we, in the same way that Jessica was holding Peter, I had my, I had my hand on, on my dad's chest, and um, he was skinny and frail. He lost weight. He was, he was you know, we, we were standing there over him in the hospital bed, and we started to see his breathing get shallower and shallower and, and farther and farther apart until he just stopped breathing. And it was heartbreaking, right? Like, that's, that's heartbreaking to see that happen to your dad. And, and though there's similarities between those two things, there's one thing that's, that's a big important difference there. Is that when my dad died, when Lance died, they didn't go to the same place that Peter went, the hedgehog. They went to be in the presence of Jesus. They went to glorify his name with no more pain. I'm sorry to say to some of you, and some of you might think this is blasphemous, but I don't believe all dogs go to heaven or all hedgehogs go to heaven. But I do believe if you believe in your heart and trust in the Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that you're going to heaven. In John 11:25, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You see, what do you need today? God is the becoming one. You can call on him by his personal name that he's given us, Jehovah, I am. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Maybe you're in darkness today. In John 8.12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or maybe you're lost today. Maybe you're searching. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then further in 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, Jehovah knows you, and you know Jehovah. He's revealed his personal name to us to call on. Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus is I am. He laid down his life for us on the cross so that we may have life. In the third commandment, I talked about this earlier a little bit, if you remember. The third commandment, call back to, the, to earlier in the message if you were listening, is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Hebrew word to take is uh, tisa, which means, I hope I said that right, which means to carry or to lift. You see, when you become a Christian, you take on the name of Jehovah. God gives us his name to be a representative for him, and the commandment tells us not to carry his name in vain because the Lord will not leave him unpunished who carries his name in vain. It's because, I mean, it makes sense. When you look at the Ten Commandments, right, you got, well, don't murder, don't steal, don't make false idols, don't commit adultery. Oh, yeah, don't cuss, too. Eh, just don't cuss. No, it, it, you see, when you become a follower of Christ, you take on the name of Christ. You carry it, and God tells us not to carry it in vain. But did you know that there's actually another name that you can carry? There's a second name that you can carry. 
In Revelation 13, we see a coming beast, the Antichrist, the working of the devil. And he'll put a mark of his name on you, and you will carry his name. Let's go there, Revelation 13, and take a quick look. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, just kidding. Revelation, the last book. Let me tell you, when I was like, I don't know, eight years old, I went to Wee College, I could rattle off the books of the Bible in order, front to back, like no big deal. Eight years old, now look at me. 20 years later, I can't, can't do nothing. Wee College, that's what it's all about. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. Revelation 13, verse 16 says, Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. You see, there will come a time when if you don't have the name of Yahweh on you, of Jehovah on you, you will carry the name of beast so i want to ask you today whose name are you carrying whose banner do you fly in front of you as you go out of this building as you leave here do you pull the banner down do you wind it back up and put it away in matthew jesus says whoever is not with me is against me are you for jesus today is god your jehovah jireh your jehovah sabaoth your jehovah nisi is Jehovah your El Shaddai, your El Elyon? You see, God sent his only son to die for you. God is so jealous for you. His name is Jealous. He received his eternal name to you. And he wants to lead you into battle this week. Because we all know here as Christians that you're going to have battles this week. So make sure you got that banner of the Lord lying, flying in front of you. And so as the band comes up, I just want to leave you with this one last thing. Um... Maybe you just woke up because you heard me talking a little bit louder. You go, what's all that racket out there? Well, all you got to do if you just woke up is to remember this one thing today, if you remember nothing else. If the devil starts attacking you this week, which he will, if the devil says, no way, are you good enough? There's no way you can overcome that. There's no way you should read your Bible. You're reading your Bible? No way. Don't do that. It's not good. There's no way God cares about you. You see, when the devil says no way, you say Yahweh. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, Jehovah, we thank you for your name. We thank you for revealing to us um, your personal name that we can call on. You are our God. You are our God of Israel, Lord. We love you. And we just thank you for uh, the names that you reveal to us and the different attributes um, that we get from your personal name, Lord, that because your son died for us on the cross, that we get to become a part of you and we get to carry your name, Lord. And we pray this morning as we leave here that we uh, don't carry that name in vain, God. We want to represent you in the best way we can, Lord. And, um, and so I, I'd be amiss this morning as all, all eyes are closed, um, that maybe you're here this morning if you don't, you don't know Jehovah by name um, and you want to know him by name or maybe you're here this morning and your, your banner goes up and down as you leave here and you want to fly that flag um, 
I'd love to pray for you. If you want to just even just raise your hand, get, get my attention, and, and I'll just leave, leave a couple seconds here just to get my attention, and, and I'll pray for you. And, and, um, and you can call on Jehovah by, by his personal name. So, Lord, we thank you this morning again um, for what you've done for us, God, that we can call on you as we go into battle this week, Lord, that when the devil says no way, we say Yahweh, and you'll come, that you hear when, when your kids call on your voice, and we thank you for that this morning, Lord. Amen.